Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. With me today I have Seth Brown, whom I interviewed a little while ago about his trip to Cambodia. And we talked a little bit about how he came to Reconstructionism and all that kind of stuff. Seth, say hi to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Today we are going to be addressing uh, what, when I told Seth this originally, I said the tyranny of the Bill of Rights, and he started he started laughing because obviously that is uh, such a foreign concept to so many Americans and their ability to understand, first off, what tyranny is, and secondly, how it pertains to the Bill of Rights. Um, when I was thinking about the Bill of Rights uh, a while back, uh, you know, people often ask the question, Seth, they often ask, they say, why are the Ten Commandments, why are the so many commandments in the, in the Bible negative? Why don't we have the positive commandments and all that kind of stuff? Um, and, and that's when I realized that the, the reason, when, when you compare the Bill of Rights, which are things that you can do, you have the ability to do this, um, versus the Ten Commandments, which say you must not do this, you do not do this, do not do this. Uh, I asked Seth this question. I said, um, you know, when you let's say if you're walking to a trampoline park and uh, you're getting ready to jump around, have a good time, and before you walk in, they say, here's read the rules, read the rules first, and you look up on the wall, and there's there there's ten rules. Okay, would you have more freedom in that trampoline park? If they said, here's 10 things you can do, you're allowed to do these 10 things versus uh, a list of rules that said, here's 10 things you cannot do. By nature, when it says, here's 10 things you can do, the implication is everything else you are not allowed to do. You can only do these 10 things. And when it's a negative and it says, here's 10 things you cannot do, by nature, the implication is you could do everything else. Yeah, you know, I think too, it's interesting because you say about how it sounds almost like an oxymoron when you say, you know, you have the tyranny of the Bill of Rights. And yet, when you do properly define those two terms, tyranny being the oppression of rights. Yes. And then you talk about a Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. You you have already injected tyranny because there is now an authority telling you what you can do. And it's only these things that you can do. Yes. And of course... If we're talking about any entity other than than God Himself, mm-hmm. you have to then ask: By what authority and standard have you even decided these are the ten things that we can do? Yes, and that's one of the great things that I think gets so overlooked when we look at the very founding of this nation. For instance, when you go back into the Continental Congress and you look at the debates that are going on in Philadelphia, um, it's very interesting because uh, actually the Pennsylvania representative Dickinson is arguing. Uh, originally, he's not arguing for, you know, that we should be just a free and independent nation. The original argument, and I think almost unanimously by almost all in that first Congress, they were saying, look, we want our rights as Englishmen restored. Okay, mm-hmm. they weren't first saying we're, we're, we're crying out for independency. They're saying we're wanting our rights as Englishmen restored. Right. But it was very telling because, uh, again, Dickinson from Pennsylvania goes on to state in one of his speeches there that he's looked— all these different places, and cannot find his rights anywhere except Mm -hmm. in the British word and in the British law. That's where he's found his rights. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is as those debates went on, 
you began to see another group of men rise up and say, no, you know what? We even reject that notion. No longer do we even want our rights restored, quote unquote, as Englishmen, because we've actually, the more we talk about this and, and discerned it, we cannot simply have rights given to us by a king because the, the only rights we really can have come from God. Right. That's what makes law law, right? Mm-hmm. It's lawful as long as it conforms to truth, and truth is that which conforms to the mind of God. Right. And so it's so interesting that even at the beginning of the foundation of this country, there was a fundamental argument and I think really a realization that we can't even ask for rights as Englishmen because English law can't even tell us what rights are. Are mm-hmm. it's only God's law that can do that. That's right, and and uh, I I see the meme being passed around on Facebook, uh, you know that says, um, you know when when did when did we need a uh, a permit or a license to do this? When did we need a, uh, you know a license to go fishing? When did we need a license to go hunting? When do we need a license to drive a car? These are all legitimate questions, but you got to uh, uh, understand that in the Bill of Rights, it does not give you the right to drive a car. Absolutely, it does not give you the right. You do not have, according to the Bill of Rights, the right to drive a car. Can we talk? It's not written in there. Absolutely, but that and that's the issue because what's happened is. The reason we've sought the Bill of Rights is because we rejected things like the Dominion Mandate. Because you know what? I don't need a fishing license because the Dominion Mandate already told me go fishing. Right. It told me to go hunt. Mm-hmm. It told me to plow the ground. Yes. It told me to build my house, expand my house, expand my family, mm-hmm. and have to build more house. Right. These are godly and right things that are given from negative law because, again, law and the idea of government is always to be negative. It is mm-hmm. to enforce no. Yes. And we see this at the most fundamental level with children. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we start, it's so interesting because when I look at my children, you know, even my youngest, he does not fully understand all of the, the words I'm using and the repercussions, mm-hmm. but he does know what no means. And what you see really early on, if you're honest with yourself and if, if you actually believe what the Bible says about a biblical worldview, when you tell the child no, and any parent that has kids can can understand this, you see the child either put his head down or his hands over his head or he, he drops his shoulders. And what he understands in that moment is you have failed to allow me to build my kingdom. Yeah. You have said no to my kingdom. Yes. You have enforced no. And now I'm angry and I'm and I and I'm upset about this. And we do the same thing as adults. You know, we want to build our kingdom, and then as soon as God says no, yeah. uh, we throw more sophisticated, you know, sophisticated pity parties. Right. Uh, but the true. reality is that it's the same. It's the same concept. Government and authority is in place to enforce no. Right. It is not in place to grant rights. Yes. That has already been. All things are ours in yes. Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we have to understand that if all things are ours in Christ, then only those things which, for our benefit. Uh, and for our good, God has said, no, not these things, because they will actually inhibit the very good and right things for you. And that's exactly what you saw in Genesis with the tree, you know, in the yes, garden. Right. It wasn't it wasn't God withholding anything. Right. It was God giving all things to them. Right. And they said, yet it's not good enough. Right. We want more. We, right. we actually want to define our rights. Isn't that what they yes. wanted to do? Mm-hmm. We want the knowledge to define good and evil for ourselves. Yeah. We want to be able to give ourselves rights. And in doing so, they lost all freedom. I, I think the even with the the few laws that we've gotten from God and yes I, I said few laws because when you compare God's laws to man's laws we have you know I said this before I think on this podcast but we're probably breaking laws right now you know uh, you sitting on your couch listening to this podcast you're probably breaking a law you know the, there's so many laws in the books um, you know just the uh, when when you get down to you know go pa- go past the federal go past the state go past uh, the you know you get into the local you get into the county you get into your city and there are thousands 
thousands of laws on the books just for your little municipality. And uh, I say that God's law has comparatively few, because what the, the Pharisees nailed it down to what six hundred thirteen. When you when you include the two positive commandments to love love the Lord and love your neighbor, and I, I still say even with sin in place, the the scenario is very similar to the garden, uh, in that they had only one law, um, pretty much or one negative law and one positive law. Go forth and have dominion. That's a mm-hmm. positive. One mm-hmm. negative law: do not eat of the fruit of this tree. We still have a very similar, in my opinion, situation where even with the presence of sin and all this massive, massive uh, wickedness in our society and in the world, we still, God only gave us at max 613 laws, mm-hmm. which compared to humanity is like almost nothing. It's almost nothing when you think about it. Because if, if I, I tell you right now, if I was in charge and I was running things, if if I you know if I was in God's position, I would make five million laws because I wouldn't trust Him anymore. But God's law still gives us freedom. That's why James calls it the law of liberty, right. because it's only six hundred and thirteen laws to run a society. And and yet you know and and maybe this is oversimplification, and I'm a master at that. But you know maybe I think really it it does just go back to you know we know that the law really hangs on two laws. It's, yes. it's love God and love your neighbor. Yes. And I would argue that that is not just simply from the time of Moses forward. That's not just simply a New Testament uh, you know, retelling of the law. Mm-hmm. From the beginning, I, I mean, I would even be willing to submit that even the, the mandate to go forward is not even so much law as simply command. And so I would still say even in the garden, you have two laws. Mm-hmm. Even in the garden, you have two laws. Because because when, when he says, do not eat of this tree, mm-hmm. right? He's saying, love me and keep my word. Yes. Love your neighbor, which is Adam and Eve. Yes. They're to love each other right. and to do all they can to help each other obey that first law. Obey There's the still only two laws. There's still only two laws. So if they if they what so when we see that they failed to love God in the beginning, they were bound to fail each other. Mm-hmm. As soon as they they stopped yes. loving God, mm-hmm. they already hated one another, and and we see this because as as we all know the narrative. I mean, it's only a few verses later, and it's well, God, you know, she gave me the fruit. Well, the the serpent tempted me, you know, and Adam stands there and ultimately says, "Well, really, God, you know what? It's your fault. Right? It's your fault. Yeah. You gave me the woman, anyways. Yeah. So so we see that it's breaking of these two laws uh, that that really doom mankind. But but you're so right. That should give us hope that we we don't need to sit here today in 2018 and go, oh my word, if we could just go back to the garden. You have the same structure yes. as the garden. Yes. The 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 word and command of God is have dominion. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the two laws that He's given us is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Newsflash: nothing's changed. Right. Yeah. If anything, you could argue with all the technology we have yes. and with all the incredible blessings of medicine and blessings of knowledge and all yes. these things, it should be easier for us to do the things that God said to do when he said, take dominion. Yes. I mean, last time I checked, you know, and I have family members who have worked out West on these, you know, just mile and mile and mile long flat farms. Yeah. Right. And right. they're just out there in shifts. Right. They're running 24 hours a day, just shifts and they're plowing. And I've said to them, Hey, you know, they'll tell me how bad everything, everything's just so bad. And the sin's so bad and the world's so bad. And I go, well, hold on. When's the last time mm-hmm. on those yes. fields yeah. you saw thorns and thistles growing? That's right. They said, "Well, they're not." Yeah. I said, "Well, isn't that the isn't that the curse being yes. rolled back?" Yes. I mean, isn't that isn't yes. that God 
uh, allowing us to have the knowledge to, to begin to defeat these types of things. Yes. Otherwise, none of us should be able to go to the supermarket and buy fresh fruit. You know, the, yes. the rages, buy fresh, buy local. Right. You shouldn't even be able to do that That's if right. it's getting worse. That's getting worse. If right. sin is still encroaching upon the world, and if sin is growing stronger, we shouldn't even be able to have fresh fruit. That's right. That's, I, a, that's that's a just a, a mind-boggling idea. I I wrote a blog once called um, it was called Satan Satan hates John Deere, and uh, I I often ask Christians this question. You know, when we're while we're on this topic of postmillennialism, I, I you know usually when you talk about theonomy, it inevitably moves to postmillennialism, and when you talk about postmillennialism, it inevitably moves to theonomy. Um, but I ask people this question. You know, Satan was you know supremely happy i don't know if he had ever been happier when god had cursed i mean i'm, I'm not willing to die in this hill but i i can't think of a time when satan was happier maybe at, with the exception of the death of christ if he knew what was going on maybe not uh that satan was happier when he cursed adam and eve mm-hmm. you know uh satan you know ruined everything or he caused them to ruin everything um and uh you know that that great serpent and uh he was he was jumping for joy when God was saying, "By the sweat of your brow will you toil the land." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Woman, um, in pain you shall bear forth children." And I asked Christians, "Well, let me ask you something." And they say, "Well, the world's getting worse." I say, "Is it easier or is it harder to toil the ground?" They say, "Well, it's easier." Amen. How about uh, our, our children? Our women still in pain when they have children. We have epidurals now, and I'm not saying that all epidurals are great, you know, because I know a lot of listeners are like, "Ah, natural birth," you know, but. Um, I'm saying the, you have the option to have a painless birth, you know, um, you know, in comparison. Sure. And and uh, we're our, still saying there's pain, ladies. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're still saying, we're, <laughs> and we're still saying, if, if it was up to men, we'd all only ever have one child. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm saying <laughs> yes. I'm saying that. But I'm saying with the with things like the epidural, you can have uh, a painless birth. Right. You know, and right. and I can see a lot of Christians that never considered that before. Um, that the dominion mandate is getting easier and easier to fill, fulfill as time goes on. A great example. Look at simply in this country. Now this isn't even worldwide. If you look worldwide, this is this is this is staggering. But simply look at this country. What's the mortality rate right now? I mean, when you look at the at the mortality rate of newborns, mm-hmm. you have to be able to see as medicine and and uh, science has advanced. Yes, we are more able to treat things. That, you know, we we had a child, um, our, our our son. It was our second child, um, and he had a, a an issue called pyloric stenosis, which is is and I say simply, but because it is kind of simple. Yeah, that where the stomach joins to the intestines was completely shut. Yikes! There's a muscle there that's supposed to open and close and open and let stuff in and out. You know, and uh, it, it just was shut. Well, um, you know, he had to have surgery for this. We didn't realize this right away. Um, and uh, by the grace of God, actually, they, they misdiagnosed it a couple of times because typically um, children become very malnourished mm-hmm. because they can't digest the food. Right. Right. It's not getting into their body. And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure why or how the Lord chose to do it this way, but, but actually our son was still getting some nourishment such that the doctors really stood there and argued with me about even doing this procedure, although they could see clearly on the x-ray that he had this problem. Right. Um, long story short, that uh, to do this procedure, the most dangerous part of the entire thing was simply the anesthesia. Because now what they could do is they made a small incision about maybe two or three inches wide. Yeah. They actually popped that, that connecting point of the stomach and the intestines out of his stomach, mm-hmm. made their incision, sewed it back together, and stuck it back in and sewed them up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
60 years ago, mm-hmm. my son would have died of that. Wow. They had no way to diagnose that. And mm-hmm. you literally watched your child starve to death and there was nothing they could do. They could not figure out wow. how to fix this. Then once they did begin to figure it out, the first few procedures that that was done, they would actually cut them completely open on the stomach because, I mean, they got to get in there and get it. Yeah, right. So for a child to, to heal from this, I mean, you're talking all of your muscles yeah. and all that. It took a long time. And, yeah. and children were very far behind then yeah. in, in just developing. Yes, in development. Uh, yeah. Right? And so now it was this thing where, they're, you know, they're telling us, hey, look the most dangerous thing is the anesthesia (laughs) like you know if you sign off on that like we can be done with this in 10 minutes wow and how do we not look at that and say that's the blessing of god and the unmerited blessing of god right that 60 years ago he dies of this yeah right right and and yet he's running around now you'd never even know never even know you never even know that is unbelievable I, i had no idea that's amazing i mean well i mean going back to you know the the bill of rights I do want to say that I am happy for the rights that I have in this nation. I'm not saying let's Amen. get rid of the Bill of Rights. Amen. You know, no more Bill of Rights. What I'm concerned about um, is that the uh, the wicked people are going to start saying, "Let's do away with the Constitution. Let's do away mm-hmm. with it." I think, and and you can you can you know uh, you can hang me for this one, but I think the the righteous the Christians need to beat them to the punch and say, "Let's get rid of the Constitution for the right reasons." Yeah. Um, because the Constitution is still a flawed document. I love the Constitution. I'm glad we have it. I have to add that add that caveat because I love absolutely love the Constitution. I love the freedoms that I have because of it. But it's not going to be around forever. It's mm-hmm. a man-made document that mm-hmm. is still tyrannical in nature because it grants the government powers that the Bible does not grant. And uh, what I'm saying is that I, if I follow to the Constitution, if this government follows the Constitution to a T, it's not loving its neighbor as right. itself. It's not loving the Lord. By right. if if we perfectly, I mean, all the Christians out there love the Constitution. If we perfectly follow it, we cannot, by nature, love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. With that in play, even at its best, even at its best position, because it is not does not it's not reflective, a hundred percent of biblical laws. That's right. And it grants the government powers that God has not granted it. Mm-hmm. And and to give a government. Uh, the government power that um, God has not granted is just as absurd as giving me, uh, welcoming me into your house and giving me powers that God has not granted me. It's just as absurd. Right. And we're trying to convince people of this. And, and, you know, it's difficult because we have, you know, we're fighting the leftists. And a lot of times we end up fighting the conservatives. Sure. Because conservatives are just, uh, we're finding this out more and more, are just as statist, just a different form of statist as the liberals. Mm-hmm. They, they, they worship the state as the lawgiver, and, and I'm saying not saying they put it up on a pedestal and bow down and worship it, and they don't worship it like they worship God. I am saying though that in the practical lives, the way that they live, when they argue against the law of God, because that's what they do, mm-hmm. they argue against the law of God. By doing so, you worship the state as lawgiver. Yeah, I don't think you need to look much further than the issue of abortion and how many how many bills are ultimately brought down. Um, I would argue by the Republicans, yes. uh, especially bills that that uh, you know are on the table uh, of issues of the abolition yes. of, of human oh. abortion. And and what happens? And, and I've seen this. I've seen this. And I went through this. I experienced this as a as a young man. Is you know I remember the election where I'm I'm being forced to choose. Uh, so I'm told I only have two choices, uh, and I have to choose one, and I and I have to choose either Barack Obama or I have to choose you know God's candidate, which is the Republican candidate. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. Which 
you know, just so happens to be a Mormon. But mm-hmm. that's okay because he's God's candidate because he's not, you know, a Democrat and he's not Barack right. Obama. Yeah, right. And and I just I remember, you know, just the the ring of that in my ears. I, I was yeah. still struggling at that point with, you know, theonomy and reconstructionism, postmillennialism, right. all of that. But yeah. I'm still sitting there going, Man, I know that this man doesn't even believe Jesus Christ is God. Yeah, right. And yet I'm being told this is God's man. Um, listen, folks, we all know that God can do whatever he wants. Right. He can He can strike a straight blow with a bent stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's completely capable. And yet, um, I just can't find in Scripture where I'm being told that the lesser of two evils is okay. Yes. We're told to choose righteousness. Right. We're told to, we're told to choose justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not told to choose evil. And uh, yet over and over again, as, as you've pointed out, uh, we're left with this idea that, uh, you know, um, there's God's party and then there's the Democratic Party. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the problem is that um, until you have a party that is actually founded on the law word of God, yeah. um, then it's simply a group of people who are trying to uh, declare their own law. Look, it's, it's yes, and, and I know this is offensive to a lot of people, but it isn't any different. And I'm really tired of the scoffers uh, who want to mock uh, the Muslims who want Sharia law, right. but then but then have no problem saying, well, right. my party wrong or right, I'm, I'm voting yes. across the line Republican, or I'm voting across the line Democrat. Mm-hmm. You're not any different. Yeah. Because because I've, I've been to the Middle East. I've spent time there with, with, with a Muslim family there and mm-hmm. stayed in their home. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was so interesting to talk to them. And, and what I heard over and over again from these people was, look, you guys aren't understanding us. When we say we want democracy, what we mean is we want the right to choose for ourselves who enforces Sharia law. Uh, but the issue isn't that we don't want it. Right. We want a certain type of law. We just want to pick who enforces it. Right. Well, how is that any different than what yes, we're doing here? It's true. We still want the law of man in this yeah, country. That's right. It's not that we don't. Yeah. We want the law of man. That's true. We just want to choose which side enforces it, yes. to your point. Yes. And I think that's the issue, is we need to recognize that, again, even in something like the Constitution, I mean, you know, one of the arguments I use all the time, because you will get this, as you well know, from, from conservative Christians, is, well, the Constitution, I mean, it's found this country is founded on godly principles and it's a godly document and here's the thing um did you have to amend it mm-hmm. are there things that needed change yes true and if yes. it is then you know it's not the word of god because that's the word right. of god doesn't change that's right and it's not containing any error mm-hmm. look it's 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 a serious problem when you say well, this is a god-honoring document and yet we've had to change it so many times to try and keep up with all the changes in society and culture and times mm-hmm. and that's what we're told is well that's just pro- that's just progression right. you know that's just that's just being open to uh, the changing times and that sort of stuff but the problem is that god's word hasn't changed right and so when we keep having to change law to keep up yes. we've probably abandoned god's word already that's right Long before the time that we had to, to create an amendment, as an observation to the the Ten Commandments and and the fact that they are, are negative uh, laws and that they say don't do this and don't do that, um, it's the only system, as far as I know, um, you know, and I'm not again willing to die on this hill, but uh, as far as it being the only system, but by avoiding certain things you are positively fulfilling the law. Mm-hmm. By not doing certain things, you are loving the Lord. You are loving your neighbor. And the Bill of Rights is the opposite. By doing, by having these rights, you are not going to get in trouble. You are not going to do certain things. You know, the, the, We're not going to have tyranny. Yeah, LOL, right? Um, but by giving you these things, by giving you these positive things, things you can do, um, 
we're going to avoid the negative aspects when the problem is God has set up nature to be differently. You must do negative things. You must not do certain things. And that by, and, and in that way you will be fulfilling the positive aspect. Man is the opposite way. You will, will do these things and therefore this won't happen. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. I'm not saying the Bible doesn't have things like that, but that's why the 10 commandments are negative. Well, and I think there's a reason that blessings are called blessings and not rules of reward, right? I mean, it, so, uh, and, and I guess, you know, some people would probably want to challenge me out on a technicality and say, well, that's semantic, Seth, and, and actually it is rules of reward because if you do these things, these other good things will happen. But right. no, really, when you look at it, again, let's deal with the fundamental issue. We don't deserve anything. Mm -hmm. The fact that God even allows us to try and and obey his law word in time and in history is... <laughs> That's LOL. Right. I mean, that's yeah, a joke, yeah. right? Yeah, we, right? We don't deserve yes. any any opportunity mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So it's a blessing that we're even allowed mm -hmm. to begin to try to love our neighbor mm -hmm. according to the law word of God when we've, when we've become regenerated. So it, it makes absolute sense when you look at Scripture that you see he's saying, look, my blessing is is when these positive things are done, mm -hmm. right? But, but my judgment and curses come on breaking these negative laws. And, right. and you're absolutely right. When you when you don't do or you keep negative law, mm -hmm. it it necessitates you fulfill positive law. Right. For me, right. because when I don't when I don't steal from my neighbor mm -hmm. and I don't murder my neighbor, mm -hmm. I'm loving my neighbor. That's right. By not doing, I'm fulfilling. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it because you're right. Like we see it all the time in we see it all the time in uh, in Christian circles when it comes to um, our actions and this idea of well we want to we want to do the things of God so that we see so that we see positive result right like you, you were just saying okay so we have these bill of rights we have these rights these things we can do mm -hmm. and then if we do them then these bad things don't happen right. right but see that type of thinking goes so much further than just cultural because here's what happens in church right is we know okay you know i got to take my daughter in and you know, we're getting this we're getting this test done mm -hmm. because we're not sure what in the world this this you know she's not feeling well and there's this lump in, you know in her throat and so we're going to get this thing and and you begin to watch right the people will start like they start doing all these positive things mm -hmm. right and they start praying all these prayers and they start really doing godly positive law mm -hmm. that they can find all around them and in through all throughout scripture and they'll pull these things out and go oh look a positive law let me do that right. and and what they're hoping for is that the negative won't happen mm -hmm. you know what we call that Buddhism. That's karma. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's what our modern church is. It's just right. full of Buddhists who worship Jesus instead of, you know, the fat Buddha. Right. But that's really what you see. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because we've allowed the institutional church and we, because we've allowed government and because we've allowed these other things to define law and give rights, yes. we then fall into a mindset that says, well, not only will I do positive out in the workplace, I'll do positive in my spiritual life too. And, and in both arenas, what I'm hoping for is that negative doesn't happen. Right. So I'll do good so that negative doesn't happen and God will be happy with me and I'll be happy with the result. And then I don't have to worry about my kid getting cancer because I did all these good things and God's going to give us a good result on Thursday. That's right. But that's not how it works. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so then we're sorely disappointed with God and we're and we're all upset with his word when we don't when we don't 
see the result that we want. And the negative happens anyways. Yes. And ultimately, it's because we weren't obedient to keep the negative law in the first place. Right. And so because we were, we were not obedient to keep it in the first place as mankind, sin entered the world and death through sin. Now, there, there are two positive commandments in, in the uh, Ten Commandments, which is uh, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, and honor your father and mother. Why do you think they're positive and not negative? You know, again, I think the interesting thing about those commandments is that uh, both of them, both of them are calling you to expect the blessing of God, and specifically when you're talking with Israel, right, and especially when you're talking about um, honoring your parents, so so that so that your days may be long in the land, mm-hmm. right? Right. So here it's this issue of, it's this issue of of blessing. It's an issue of. To honor one's parents um, is actually, I believe, going to cause you to. How do I want to say? Is you're gonna you're gonna best keep the negative law towards them mm-hmm. by honoring them, mm-hmm. right? And so, in both of those things, to 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 remember the Sabbath yeah. is going to cause you to best keep all of the the negative commands mm-hmm. towards God towards God because you're going to you're not going to have idols right because you're, you're going to his house to worship I hope you don't take your idols with you right right you you know you're you're not going to make any other gods you're not going to worship it like so that commandment the idea of keeping sabbath is going to drive you to have to keep these negative laws even right. though like you're saying it is it is in essence a positive law right but it to keep it you're going to have to do the negative law that was already given that's right Right, and I would mm-hmm. argue it's the same thing with your parents. There's no greater form of dishonoring your parents than living in in a completely ungodly way. If, especially if your parents have brought you up mm-hmm. in the fear and admonition of the Lord, right? right? I mean, because the whole purpose of children is to be creating and building these arrows, right, that are going to be sent out right. to do God's work in His kingdom, in His kingdom authority, and His kingdom timing, mm-hmm. and so. To kick against that and rebel against that, mm-hmm. um, I think is one of the, is is where we really see the wickedness of rebellion against your parents, mm-hmm. and because ultimately you are not just simply if your parent has done their job, and and quite frankly, even if they haven't, we see in Scripture that the purpose of children is to generationally build the kingdom of God. Right, so it is quite frankly irrelevant as a child if my parents haven't done their part. Mm-hmm. Because once I look to Scripture, I have to recognize it doesn't change that my purpose for even being here, mm-hmm. your purpose as a child for even being here, is simply to do kingdom work. Right. So to not do it is rebellion, yes, against your parents, but ultimately against God anyways. Mm. I don't know if that directly answers your question, at least on the latter part. But. Well, I, I just wanted to uh, you know, inform you know the listeners that, uh, that we're aware that not every single commandment is, is negative. There are, by and large... Negative and and you know, and this also has to do with the the blessings being less than the cursings. The cursings being more. Right. If you don't keep them, right. there were more curses. Um, you know, most of the law is negative um, because um, I, I believe that is the essence of how to have societal freedom. Mm-hmm. When you have negative laws saying don't do this, and 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 very few laws at that. I think if you I think if you would dig down into it though you would have to at some level argue that even those commandments though um, ultimately are worded positively because they encapsulate so much negative law. In other words, so when we talk about keeping the Sabbath, we recognize that keeping the Sabbath was not simply just quote unquote going to church. I mean, 
keeping the Sabbath is the ceremonial laws, and mm-hmm. it's all of the sacrifice that needs to go into that. And that's why I believe sure. that a really clear understanding of the Ten Commandments is understanding the first five books of the law. I mean, yeah. um, there is a lot of debate, and I know people come down on different sides of this, but um, you know, you can say, well, there's over 500 or there's 600 or there's so many hundred commandments, yeah. and that's true to one degree, but on another degree, I would argue that when you take the Ten Commandments, everything written after that is simply an outpouring and, and expressing to you how you would actually keep those Ten Commandments. So, commandments. so when you look at the entire Levitical system of sacrifice, you have to understand that all of those chapters are encapsulated in this one statement, remember the Sabbath and keep mm-hmm. it holy. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, um, but I would also just you know challenge the listeners to make sure that we don't Let's not look for an excuse to be able to try and say, well, look, if we can find a couple positive laws, maybe we can. We, we don't have to then see it as such a, oh, yeah. it's all negative law. Right. Because, again, even these positive laws can only be kept by obeying the negative law word of God, That's which right. is don't forsake sacrifice and don't go out sinning and don't not say, you know, all these types of things. Yes. And I would argue the exact same principle when we come to the commandment to honor your parents. Again, it encapsulates in it. So much negative law, all mm. the things that you to all the things that you have to not do to be able to honor your parents, uh, it is, I think, way easier to say honor your parents. So right. that would also be a you know a take on that. That, that. That's a good observation, actually. My friends, thanks for listening so much. Be strong and courageous. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit ReconstructionistRadio.com and ThinkAndReform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.